everyone, welcome back to the King Kumar Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me. His name is uh, Ben Levitt. Um, he is a also a podcaster, and he's also a YouTuber with, um, I believe, 37k subscribers. Uh, no, I have I have 5,500 subscribers right now. Oh, 5,500. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So, no um, without further ado, uh, Ben, welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. I'm happy to chat with you and make it happen. Thank you. So, um, Ben, why don't you kind of give like a background on who you kind of are, kind of what you're all about? Yeah, certainly. So, I'm a YouTuber and podcaster, like you mentioned. My YouTube content is. The motto of the entire channel is to try to equip people with the mindset, the, the motivation, and the tools necessary to turn their passions into business and a lifestyle. So I try to create content on tools that can help people do that. So focus a lot on social media, podcasting, and other different methods that you can help to make money doing the things that you love. And I think like I said, I do host a podcast. But a big thing for me is I just love to create content, and I think that's a great tool to also drive business. So I run a marketing agency as well, and I found a lot of people can come to know, like you, and trust you through seeing the fact that you know what you're talking about. So I think YouTube is an exceptional platform that way. Plus the fact that it works like a search engine. There isn't a better social media app or platform besides maybe TikTok, but it's different form factor to be discovered. So that's why I love YouTube so much. Interesting. I love that. So um, what kind of inspired you? to um, go ahead and accomplish your dream by starting a YouTube channel and your podcast, kind of go into how that all happened. Yeah, for sure. So I would say that I definitely have not even come close to accomplishing my dreams, but I'd say these vehicles are tools to get me closer to doing that. And I would say it started, I've been running the podcast for almost two years now, I'd say it's getting close to that. And why I started it was because I've always been someone who had very big aspirations and goals. I wanted to do so many different things. I was very entrepreneurial. And I wanted to network with a lot of these people who I'd see on YouTube or on Instagram that were doing things that I felt like I was capable of doing. They're running businesses similar to ideas that I had in my head, but I had no way to connect with them. So I figured the best way to do that was to create my own platform. And it was actually from a piece of advice that I saw from Gary V, where I saw a video, it was actually on LinkedIn, where he said, um, if, if you don't get invited to the parties, make your own party. So that was the kind of mentality that I approached my podcast with, was to create my own platform so that these people that I want to be around and, and learn from, they'll actually want to come and be on my podcast because it provides them value, value as well. I think that's the, the best makings of a positive relationship is when there's mutual benefit. Interesting. Yeah, I definitely started that podcast so I could... Um, network with people like yourself and get their stories so that I could grow as a person. But I think that many people don't realize that your net worth is your network. What I mean sure. by that is whoever you network work with, that's uh, those are the people who are going to help you get a tr- your job or help you accomplish that dream. And if you're not networking right now, you're you're very behind. You need to get started and you need a network and you need a meet different people because like I said they're they're the ones who are you're gonna rely on when you need something so if you network you have a group of people who you can talk to kind of what is your um opinion on networking do you feel like it's huge 
Yeah, for sure. I'd say there's two major points that I would add based on what you just said right there. Uh, the first being, I think uh, the advice I'd give to anyone is that it ha- the, the networking has to come from from an organic place. You can't just be doing it for the hope that you'll grow your YouTube or you'll grow your podcast because people see right through that. So you have to make it very personalized because the people that typically that you want to talk to are very, very busy. So if you don't make it worth their while or even just provide a reason for them to give you some of their time and it doesn't have to be like you don't need a major major following to get that time which i realized a long time ago was that if you just take the time to actually personalize and outreach to them and show that you actually pay attention to what they do the message behind their content they're going to be a lot more likely to actually respond and my friend nick singh who also is a podcaster he put out a few stories on his instagram recently that really got me thinking and he said that so many people when asked what's the most valuable thing that you have, everybody says time. And he says that he would actually argue that it's relationships because yes, you only have a finite amount of time, but the one right relationship could expedite where you want to go so much faster and save you a ridiculous amount of time. So he said, he says that relationships are actually the truest, most valuable commodity that we have. That's so interesting. I never thought of that in that kind of a light. I, I definitely agree with you. Like, I think that relationships are the new the new way that people are going to find out that this is the way for me to accomplish my goal. So, yeah, I definitely agree with your point about relationships. And it just me it, it means a lot. You know, many people don't realize, again, that it's so easy for you to talk to an influencer. For example, like the way I contacted you was I went to your YouTube bio and you had, um, I think, your email and your Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I DM'd you on Instagram and luckily you responded and um, we made this podcast happen. Like, you know, we ha- we're at a time where if, if you want to do something, it's right there. It's, it's easier now than ever before. All you have to do is do it and most likely maybe that one maybe out of 10 people only two will respond but the the fact that you put in the time that the time to find those 10 people you benefited by finding those two people that you wouldn't have done if you didn't even contact one person so that's kind of my view on that so um ben i know you talked about how you started your podcast but how did you start your actual YouTube channel? Yeah, for sure. So I'd say that that's, I'd say YouTube is one of the things that like, I love more than anything on this planet just because of, I just think it's so, so cool. That's why I, whenever I have the opportunity to help a business to, to grow their YouTube channel, I get excited about that because I just think the platform is unlike any other. And I would say that anybody has a chance on YouTube more so than Instagram, more so than on Facebook or the other platforms because of how, it's func- how it functions. And I think everybody, wants to be a YouTuber. I think that's pretty common knowledge now that when kids are asked what they want to be, so many of them say YouTubers. So I'd say I fell into that category a long time ago and I would watch a bunch of different YouTubers and I love what they did. I love their content, but I always found myself saying, I'm like, they're no different than me. I, I know I could be doing that. But like many people, I made excuses for a, a bit, for a while. And then finally, once I had the resources and the means to just start, I bought a camera and then I started creating videos. What the real motivator was, was I tore my ACL and meniscus about honestly four years ago and right after doing so i went searching through youtube for videos about what the process is going to be like what can i expect for the next year in terms of rehab and there was no real content from there like it's all terrible 
So I decided that that was going to be my kick from from the world to say get get started, get after it. So I decided to make some videos on that process, and that's what got the ball rolling. My content now is totally unrelated to ACLs, but that push is what got me to actually get started, got me to start making videos, get better at making videos, and also fall in love with YouTube and fall in love with helping people through your content. So I have a ton of knowledge when it comes to social media, business, things like that. And YouTube is definitely the place to deliver it. So I'd say it came from the universe. Yeah, for sure. So the ACLs was the what got me started. And I think through so many people are like, oh, I don't know what to do. Or I don't know what I'm passionate about. And the only way you learn is through doing. So I knew I wanted to do YouTube, but starting off, I didn't know what kind of videos I wanted to make. In fact, I was making, like you said, videos about my ACL and I was also making fitness related content, both things that I was passionate about, but I wouldn't say that they were like true passions. Whereas the social media stuff, my business stuff, that stuff is a true passion of mine and things that I would say I'm a relative, uh, I don't want to use the word expert, but of the upper uh, term in terms of people of knowledge, in terms of people in the world, I didn't make much sense, but I'd say I know more than the average person and that provides me the opportunity to educate so many people who could value from the knowledge that I have. So that's kind of, my advice would be on YouTube is just simply to start, keep making things, anything you're passionate about, and then eventually the market and the algorithm will dictate what the market actually wants. Interesting, interesting. So while we're on this, can you give um, some tips to aspiring YouTubers like myself um, to um, have, I would say that for the first step is to start, but once they start, um, what kind of tips can you give them to really grow their channel and really get to a level that they want? Like, for example, like if they want to get to a thousand subscribers, which is a minimum to make money, mm -hmm. um, how can they accomplish that? So I think it comes down to sampling around the content, doing as much of it as possible, but also filling voids in the marketplace. I think so many people get started and they, they see a YouTuber that they want to emulate. So they start making content that is super, super similar and almost on the exact same topics. And as a small YouTuber, that's a very, very bad plan because you won't rank in them unless your video is amazing. And even then it'll take a long time because people won't see it. So you need to fill voids in the marketplace, do your research before you even start to make a video. I think like I've had so many good video ideas that I thought would be a good idea. But then when I did some more research into the keywords, the competitive nature of those keywords and the rankings, things of that nature, I saw that there's no way in my given stance with my channel that I would have any chance of ranking in that. So while that may be a great video, when you're really, really small, I think you need to do some research before you even start to click record. And I think that's it's even if you're a big channel, but it's imperative if you're small. I wouldn't say that you shouldn't make a video if you don't think it'll rank, because you obviously follow your passions, but people who strictly do that get discouraged because nobody sees it but it's, nobody has seen it because the people who are making those videos aren't playing the game right. They're not learning how to optimize their videos. They're not learning about the YouTube algorithm. They're not learning about how to structure all the factors that go into it, the metadata that actually makes your video rank. So I would just say engulf yourself into YouTube and how it works and just learn, learn, learn and refine your procedures. Um, I know you're a social media marketer, so I know you don't want to give too many secrets out, but can you just explain that um, the YouTube algorithm and how people can kind of grow tack that? Yeah, so, well, there is a degree of randomness to the algorithm, but as a small channel, like I mentioned pre over previously, is that there's a few things that you can definitely do to grow. I would say you, if you're a small YouTuber, you need to be 
very entrenched into your niche. So say for my niche, it's about social media because that's what I do for a living. So I am always ready to create a video very, very quickly on a hot trending topic. So for example, if you go to my channel, the second that Instagram took away your ability to track the activity of people you're following, I made a video on it that night. And because I was first to market, that video has nearly 50,000 views. And that's simply because I wrote a trend and I was there first. YouTube will, will reward you for being first, regardless of how small your channel is. And I learned that a while back because when Instagram, Facebook, and WhatsApp all crashed, I saw the same opportunity because I did a little bit of research. I went into the search bar and I searched up Instagram is down. And then I looked at the videos that were ranking at the top and all of them were from channels that had smaller audiences than even mine. So that means that if you make a video, you have a great chance of ranking in that. So I did it very quickly. So I think being nimble and able to create videos very quickly on specific trends is imperative. So if it means you gotta stay up late that one night, it means a lot if this is actually your goal. You need to get that video out as soon as possible because if you wait, somebody who's also in your niche who has a huge following or even numerous people will make that video and then once you make it, yours will just get pushed down. So you need to be first. That's one piece of advice. And the second one would be, excuse me, would be to do, again, do your research before you even start to record. So I would learn about keywords, I would learn about the ranking of keywords, and then also try to fill voids. There's millions upon millions of videos going on YouTube every single day, but still with that being said, there's still opportunities to grow if you do your research and fill voids that aren't being filled. And even if it doesn't have to be an entirely new video topic, but if you watch the videos that are related to one specific keyword or search phrase, and you know that that's missing a few very important elements, and maybe it's a few pieces of advice that you would give given the opportunity, make that video and throw that in. If it's better than the other people's, you'll eventually get the opportunity to grow. So I would say those are my biggest points of advice, and that's super crucial if you're small, uh, YouTube version. Yeah, so I can definitely relate to what you said about if you don't create something first, someone's gonna beat you to it. And I can relate to this because, um, uh, you're a football fan, so you'll know what, what I mean by when I say this. So, uh, do you remember when um, Antonio Brown got released by the Raiders? Yep. So, like, right on that day, like, I knew that I wanted to make a video about, like, what happened with him and the Steelers and then mm -hmm. the Patriots when he got released. But someone, yeah. uh, then I took too long and people with big um, followings, they made it first. So, I had to... Um, find a new idea and now I have that idea on what I want to do but it's just it just sucks because if I would have made it earlier I could have had a bigger following and I could have gotten those people who wanted to see um, the downfall of Antonio Brown but now I, I necessarily cannot because um, it's already been done by big YouTubers and they already have listened to their stories and they're not going to check out you know me because I made it too late, so I'm kind of waiting until something big happens with him, and then I think I'll make my video, because then he'll be trending again, and then those in the information that other people did will be a little bit outdated, so that's kind of my plan. Um, so I wanted to ask you um, about kind of the keywords, like how can people find um, the keywords that'll make them grow their channel, because I know it's pretty hard, like you don't know, like what kind of keywords is there like a website or even like a video that you made um that they can watch or um look at so two things and i just want to touch back to your previous point even if people already have videos out if something's still trending still make that video because the spillover effect you'll still get more views 
than your typical videos if you're a small channel. So even if you weren't first to a trend, it's still worth riding that wave, even if it's smaller. So even if it's crashed a little bit because of other people making that videos, it's still worthwhile to make the video. The second thing is don't ride a trend for just the sake of a riding trend. You wanna make sure that it relates to some way to your niche because YouTube is very, very concerned with making sure that the people who they show your videos to, they're actually gonna like your videos and YouTube wants to know the kind of videos you're gonna be making. So say if you typically make cooking videos and then if you were to go make a video on Antonio Brown, all you'd be doing is confusing the algorithm. You would be confusing YouTube and they wouldn't know who to show your videos to. So the fact that I have ACL videos on my channel, they actually hurt my channel more than help it. They bring in views every single day, but they also simultaneously confuse YouTube. So they're not sure if I'm a rehab channel or a marketing channel. So I leave them up there because I think there's a ton of value to be had from people who do find them. And I think back to how I was when I hurt my knee, but you don't wanna confuse YouTube. You wanna to try to keep your content somewhat streamlined. Obviously don't be afraid to make a video, but if you have super, super totally unrelated content, it can actually hurt you more than help you. So I just wanted to throw that in there. In terms of keyword research, what you're looking for essentially, and I'll make a video about this on, on my channel, so be sure to subscribe because it'll be coming in a few weeks that I'll tell you how you can actually do keyword research. But there's a Chrome plugin that you can download. It's called Keywords Everywhere. It used to be free, it now costs a few bucks. If you're serious about YouTube, it's well worth the investment. Uh, and then you can actually go into and type any keyword into Google, YouTube, and tons of other search engines, and it will tell you the search volume per month. You then want to compare that, so you, you type that in, you want something with low to moderate search volume per month, and then you want to go in and look at the, the videos that are ranking in that. That's going to give you advice on how you can structure your video, and also if you have an opportunity to rank. So if you go in there and look, and see that these channels have way more views on that video than they do subscribers, that means that you have a good opportunity to get some positive traction from that kind of video. So that's very, very basic keyword research, but that's the kind of the core fundamentals. I'll be making a video on it, like I said, so that goes way more in depth. Okay, yes, thank you for that. And with that, can you kind of translate how um, one can even grow their podcast? Is it similar to YouTube or is it a little bit different? That's the one problem with podcasting. I, I love podcasting so, so much, but one thing that they still need to dra dramatically improve is discoverability. It is very, very difficult to grow a podcast from a podcast. It is it's just not structured in a way for people to stumble across your content nearly as easily as YouTube is. Whereas YouTube, they, they run off of people finding new people to like. That doesn't really happen in podcasts. This, as you'll see when you go into your podcast apps, they're not really that geared for finding new podcasters. People typically come from being referred from either a person or an external source, whether it be social media, website, whatever. So that growing on YouTube versus growing a podcast is extremely a different strategy. What kind of strategies did you use to grow your podcast? So YouTube is actually one of the strategies. If you can, and that's what it is, I find it's very very interesting that so many. People will grow on YouTube and then it'll grow them in, on Instagram and that's how they become seen as like big on Instagram, but really it's the traffic coming from YouTube. So I'd say the same can be achieved for podcasting as well is by creating videos on the topics that you talk about in your podcast so that people may like a four or five minute video on that topic. And then if they do, they may be inclined to check out your podcaster or your podcast. And then that's how you can really deepen the relationship with your audience. Because if they see you on YouTube, they see your face, they learn to like you there. Then if you get them over your podcast and you speak to them for hours a week, that is a very, very strong relationship. And that's why podcasts are so valuable. Obviously conversations are one of the most powerful tools that we've had since we've been human beings in general. But 
the ability to communicate with a customer as well is super, super valuable. That's why I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term CPM. It, it, essentially what it means is how much you get paid for a thousand impressions. It's a marketing uh, term. So your CPMs on podcasts are far higher than many other social media platforms or other marketing mediums because the relationship you have with your podcast audience is very, very deep. They trust you, they know you, and they like you very deeply. So I'd say when it comes to growing on podcasts, I'd say YouTube's a great tool. And then I'd say blogging can be a great tool if you know how to structure a solid blog. And then I would also say, go where the people are. So that comes down to knowing your core audience. If you don't know that, marketing becomes very, very difficult. So once you know that, then you wanna go where they hang out. That's pretty standard when it comes to marketing practice, but you wanna go where these people are. So if you, if you know exactly who you're trying to target, say you're trying to target people who are between a specific age range and you know exactly what they like, you know where they shop, you can target them through Facebook, Instagram ads, etc., or you can go into groups that you know that they are. So it really comes down to knowing who you're trying to attract and then going where those people hang out and speaking their language. Thank you for those tips. Thank you so much. It means a lot. Um, I want to go back to what um, I said about, uh, what you said, sorry, about YouTube. And I kind of want to tell this so that maybe other people can relate to it. But mm-hmm. so much from my YouTube, I want to kind of make sports and business content since they're actually very similar sports and business. And I kind of want to make like downfalls of um, players, football teams and even some companies so that people can learn from it and take like a lesson and learn like, hey, I shouldn't do this this way. I shouldn't mm-hmm. learn. I, sh- I should better myself and not make the same mistakes that uh, this person makes. So do you think that niche is too broad or would you say like it's it's perfect? Like, what do you say it's good? Uh, no niche is too broad necessarily. But in terms of growing, the more niche you are, the faster you'll see some growth. So I would always say if people who have, if people have like one thing that they know that they like, and they say they like a few things, but they know one thing they really, really love, I would say start with that. Because if you focus in on one thing and you put out quality content consistently and you structure everything the right way, you'll see success far faster doing it that way than by doing the shotgun approach, which is doing so many different things at the same time. That makes sense. So it's not not gonna say that it's too broad. I just said I'm saying that you'll you'll experience growth likely slower because of the varying types of content. If that makes sense, it does. So I think that based on what you said, I would say that I'm mostly very I like entrepreneurs. I like their stories. I would like to tell that, and then I would also like to do what I said before about downfalls of football teams and other things. I think I have to still look at it and kind of compress it and then focus only on one thing. And then as I get bigger and bigger, I can become a little more broader and I can focus on other topics. But yeah, yeah. thank you. No worries. And what, another way you could go about it is say if you wanted to start with the shotgun approach because you weren't sure, then I would just make those videos like varying, okay, bouncing back and forth like the entrepreneur videos and the sports videos and then see if one of them picks up. So if the algorithm starts favorably treating one of them, then your focus for the foreseeable future will be on whichever style got picked up. So that's another way you can go about that as well. Interesting. Thank you so much. So um, I know I brought up Antonio Brown, and I also know that you're a big football fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so you and I know about this whole Antonio Brown debacle, and I've been talking about this on my podcast for my past two ones. Um, but what do you think that people can learn from his story? Like from what he did, how can people learn like what not to do? 
Uh, I think one, the first thing that comes to mind is don't burn bridges. Because I saw in a tweet that he'd be potentially, it, was, it, it hinted that he potentially, potentially would be interested in going back to Pittsburgh. And I think that one, that ship has sailed and that's all from his doing. To a degree, obviously everybody had their own role. But I'd say the first lesson could be don't burn bridges. But I think the Antonio, Antonio Brown saga, there's a lot of moving parts in that. I think there's, I think there's some mental health issues there. I, I don't know the guy. I'm just saying the behavior was all over the place. And it almost seemed like either it was all with a broader plan or it's just all over the place. So who, who knows what's going on? I think there's a lot of variables at play there. I hope all is well with them because some of the stuff that he saying and he's been going through is, is somewhat concerning just from the outside looking in. But uh, I'm sure he's under a lot of stress a lot and that can really mess with your ability to think clearly. I think he would probably say he has some regrets. I think a big issue he has is he's very impulsive. He doesn't think through his actions, he just acts on emotion and his story is the repercussions that can come from doing that. So I think that taking a second or even a day to think about your next move would have been a lot smarter of a decision for him and for anybody. Okay, with that, I want to ask you another question. Um, I know you're a big Gordon Mitsu fan. I believe I'm saying the name correct. Yeah, but, Gardner um, Mitsu. Yeah, so I don't know if you watched the video of him. Like, his, they call him Uncle Rico Jr. But I don't know if you watched the video. Like, um, this person interviewed him and got his story. And um, that kind of led me to this thought. Like, um, how can people find mentors? And, like, how can they... Um, listen to these stories about all these athletes and then use that as fuel to become more successful in their lives. Yeah, for sure. I think when it comes to acquiring mentors, I think that can be difficult at times. Oftentimes, because I think people approach it, they're like, oh, I'm going to talk to someone and they're going to say like, oh, can, I, can you be my mentor? And someone's just going to say yes. That's not how it happens. That's not how the world actually functions. So I would say don't become obsessed with finding a mentor. You can have mentors in your life in so many different ways like even by reading books you are who you associate yourself with but it doesn't have to be someone who's physically there you can associate with someone through their teaching through a book that's still basically like having them in the room answering all your questions right there in a book that you can consume whatever when it comes to actually talking to physical people i think people should go read how to win friends and influence people and it just teaches you how to conduct yourself in a favorable manner to get people to want to give you some more of their time because with as i've mentioned numerous times people have very little time so how you structure the words that you say your approach to everything that very much matters because typically you only have one opportunity and then the person's either going to write you off as someone who's like a troll or annoying or doesn't value your their time or they're going to be impressed or surprised by your ability to conduct yourself in that way and they may give you some more time and that may organically develop into a mentor mentorship relationship Interesting. I think that even though this, I'm never like, even though it's just a long shot that I might talk to this person, um, I, I I feel like the person that I most look up to and is my mentor, I would say is Gary Vaynerchuk because most of the things he says like I can relate to, and I've actually done what he said. Like he was what kind of inspired me to start this podcast because he said if you're not creating content, you're doing something kind of wrong. Like along those lines. So I created my podcast and he talked about Anchor and then I saw my other friend had Anchor so I asked him like, hey, how does this work? And uh, he told me this is how it works and um, yeah, I believe yeah, he's an investor for Anchor. Yeah, I basically started my podcast 
with Anchor, and my first episode was about Uber, and um, yeah, I would say that if I didn't have the motive, like if I keep making excuses for myself, I'm not gonna start. So I start. I want to become someone who doesn't make any excuses, and I want to be um, successful and accomplish my goals. Hey guys, so thank you so much. If you already listened to this podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'm going to add in this bonus part for you guys because I want to keep my podcast at 40 minutes. So I'm going to add in a little bit of new content, especially for those who already listen to my podcast. This is some content that I think you guys will like because I feel like you guys listening to my podcast are entrepreneurs who want to make, who want to make their dreams a reality and their goals happen. So I recently recently listened to this podcast called Masters of Scale. And the host is Reed Hoffman, and he's the co-founder of LinkedIn. And he he had Brian Chesky. So Brian Chesky is the co-founder of Airbnb. And I assume most of you will know what Airbnb is. But it's basically like hotels. But instead of staying in a hotel, you're staying in people's homes. And that's what he basically, but that's what Airbnb is. They're basically staying in people's homes on a vacation. And one of the things that Brian Chesky found was that you need to build a business with empathy. So what I mean by this is you need to get to know your customers and put yourself in your customer's shoes. So when Brian Chesky first started off Airbnb, him and his co-founder, Joe Gibbia, they would visit customers' homes and offer them, like offer to take pictures of their homes. Because you can't just knock on someone's door and be like, hey, I'm the co-founder of Airbnb and expect them to let you in. You need to come up with an excuse. So that's what they did. They said, hey, we can take photographs of your homes. And they were just starting off, so they didn't have too much money. So this is pretty smart. And he learned a couple interesting stuff about Airbnb, including like what people liked and what they didn't like. And questions they would ask is what exactly said, like what they like and what they didn't like. And some of the stuff that they found that they didn't like was that these hosts didn't know who their guests were. So Airbnb made, so Brian Cheskin, Joe Gibia, I mean, made profiles of their guests, of the guests. And they found out um, they they had their guests make profiles. And on their profiles, the guests would attach photos of themselves. They would include some personal information, like where they went to school, where they work, where they're from. And they included all this personal information stuff. And then other things that they found out was that they, these people wanted some pre peer review system. They wanted to see that their guests staying are not going to trash their house, are going to be respectful, and what they and they didn't want their home to be damaged. So they they made this thing called peer review systems. And then they offer they also got customer support for people, for both the users, for both the host and the guests. And you know they found out all this stuff by living in their customer's shoes. Okay. Another thing they found is that you need to listen to your customers. Your customers are the people who are going to help your business grow. And for you guys, you guys listening, I need to hear you guys' feedback. And I'll get into how I can get that later on. But anyway, you need to listen to your customers. For example, in the podcast, he tells a story about this guy who they who one day he talked about how on a snowy day, they went to this house and they knocked on the door and the guy let them in and they said, hey, we're here to take photos. And he, they, Ryan Tisky asked, hey, what do you like? What can we make it better? And he found out that this guy had a binder. And in this binder, he found he put things that can make Airbnb better. And he basically said, hey, do this, this, and this. And you need to, do, you need 
to find your passionate users because they're going to give you the most feedback. So you want to get feedback from your customers because they are your users. And you want to see what they like, what they don't like in your business, okay? Another thing that he did is he created this thing called, he created this mental exercise of creating a star experience for people. And basically what this looked like, in a one star, you basically, let's say an Airbnb or an Airbnb, you knock on the door, you wait there for like an hour or two and no one shows up. You don't know what the key is. And two stars, you're still looking for the key. Two stars, you knock on the door. No one shows up. You see a note that signs out, hey, the key's here, and you go on a treasure hunt, and then you finally find the key after an hour. Three star experiences, you knock on the door, they open a the door and be like, hey, this welcome. They say hi. They, welcome to your Airbnb, and they just leave. You don't talk to them. There's no communication. A five-star experience is that you knock on the door, and the host introduces themselves, shows you a tour, and gives you like a welcome gift. Like, basically, there's food in the pantry, they have toiletry, and basically, you get to know your host, and you guys have a conversation, you get to know each other. Uh, some of the star experience, I'm going to skip a little bit, is that the host gives you the kitchen, gives you, gets you things that you like. For example, he talks about how you knock on the door, this guy says, hey, I heard you like to surf. Here's a surfboard. And they give you their car, and they basically get you the best um, tickets to the best restaurants in their city. What is the 10-star experience like? You're never going to have this, but it's good to think about this. It's good to do this mental exercise because that is what is going to help your business grow. So a 10-star experience is that you get a crowd. It's like, it's like think of it as a band concert. You are the rapper and you've got all these fans cheering your name and be like, yeah, welcome to the pod. Welcome to your um, welcome to your home. And they basically do everything perfect. It's like a dream. So you're never going to have this 10-star experience. It's, it's just not possible in this world. So what is the lesson? The lesson is don't be too average. Don't be that. Don't be a three-star experience. Be a six-star experience. Be a seven-star experience. But also, don't be too extreme. Give your guests an experience they won't forget. And he tells a story about this guy who was one of their users, and Brian Chesky wanted to follow him around and see what he does. And they found out that this guy was lonely. He would go to the bars. He wouldn't talk to anyone. He was just doing some boring stuff. So the next day, they created like a storyboard for him, and they found out all the things that he liked, and they got him the they they picked him up from the air they the, they basically created a storyboard experience. So they created, um, so they had they picked up this guy from the airport. They had a car pick him up. They took him to the perfect Airbnb. They took him to all these cool places, like in, let's say San Francisco. They took him to all these cool places in San Francisco, like Silicon Valley, all these stuff. Got him the best restaurant, took him to some bars. And they basically just did all of this so that they could create an experience that this guy would never forget. And this is what you guys have to do in your businesses. You have to create an experience for your users that they won't forget. Now, here's where I need your guys' help. So based on the lessons, I want to hear from you guys. And how I want to do this is I want you guys to show me that you listen to my podcast. So write me some reviews on Apple Podcasts and how my podcast has changed your life or how I can make it better. And also on social media, hit me up. My Instagram name is King Kumar, but those little dashing is 23. And hit me up. Show me what 
Currently listening to a podcast and show me what you like, what you don't like. DM means to be like, hey, I bet I like this. I don't like that. Here's what you can improve on. I really want to hear from you guys. I know that I haven't been making podcasts weekly and I'm starting to get better at that. I want to get better and I want to give you guys better content. So show me that you show me some love on Instagram and then also give me a review on Apple Podcasts saying like how my podcast has changed your life. And if you guys could do this for me, I will enter you in into a giveaway. So if you guys are very early listeners on my podcast, you know I had a guy named Matt Camerly who created his own company along with his friend Yasmin, who will be a future guest on my podcast about their t-shirt company, Pineapple. So if you guys do this, three lucky winners of you will be getting a free t-shirt that I have partnered up with Matt Hamerly. So I'll give you guys two weeks. So in order to get this giveaway first, again, you want to share your podcast on Instagram, whatever you have on social media with me. And my Instagram name is King Kumar, but there's one of those dashing. He's 23. And I believe my Twitter name is King Kumar's pod. I will attach all my social medias in the description below. And then also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, write me a review. And if you already have written me a review, like, for example, Nina, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for giving me that review. And Race Car Tim, thank you also for review. Show me some love, guys. Um, it, You don't even have to write me a review, review, even if you can just give me some stars. That would help out a lot. And if you guys want to stay private, you can always email me at adbkumar05 at gmail.com and tell me which, what, what I can improve on and what I can make it better so I can create the best possible product for you guys. Thank you guys, and peace out. I hope you enjoyed this new thing that I am doing.